The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, may our hearts and our knees bow to that name even today as we worship you. Uh, Lord, so thankful that as we sang, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, we know you're working. But Lord, we, we trust that you'll work now in our midst as we open your word. I pray in your name. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you, folks. I, I was having a pretty good time. I got to say, um, maybe I don't have to say, but I'm going to say, when you sit up here, it's like you hear everybody singing, and it's like I, I really get pumped. Sitting in the back, I was feeling a little left out a little bit, and I thought, well, we just got to go have a good time. Uh, but I uh, thought I'd sneak up on you there. Whoa. Okay, I'm going to start you off with something very scary, if we can. Are you ready, guys? What's happening? Oh, there we go. Uh, I, uh, I know, nightmares. Uh, we, we'll try not to leave that up there too long. But uh, I, I wanted, I Googled this week bad selfies or, you know, like that. And the ones I looked at weren't anywhere close to the ones I take all the time. So I just thought I'll just put myself up there. There's got to be something wrong with my camera, though. Because really, you know, just to keep getting bad selfies over and over again, I think I need a new camera. That's the, that's the only possible ex explanation uh, for that. But a uh, little fun facts for you here. 90 million selfies are taken each day. Yeah, well, if you have a teenager, you probably think that's a little low. Yeah, it's, it's got to be more than that. 24 billion selfies are uploaded, according to Google, every year. 24 billion. You have heard stories of people who get fired because of the selfies they post. <laughs> you, know, you know, they call off work, and then they post a picture of themselves out partying during the day. Pretty dumb. Uh, you have probably heard stories of thieves that have got arrested because they post selfies of themselves shoplifting. Hey, look what I got today. Uh, put, it, put it online, and, and they track them down. And then sadly, I, you know, I'm going to do this with a smile on my face because I'm, I'm warped, but um, there's actually this new thing called death by selfie. And in the last four years, they said each of the last four years, there are more deaths from people trying to get a good selfie of themselves than from shark attacks. So, so you have to, you know, now again, I shouldn't be smiling. I hope nobody in here has, you know, lost a loved one to death by selfie because that would be terrible. But, you know, you kind of have this slapstick movie version of somebody, you know, <laughs> you know train comes by and uh, there, there it goes. You know, you see that in a Pink Panther film or some, something like that. So uh, let's, let's just go with this idea. I think it is safe to say that we have kind of a dangerous obsession with ourselves sometimes. And we're going to see that as we look at a story in the Old Testament. It's in the book of 2 Chronicles. First time I think I've ever said, hey, open your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles. I'm going to read a little bit from chapter uh, 26 and the story of this fella who uh, got a little bit too excited about himself, too impressed with himself, a guy by the name of Uzziah. Now, if you're finding that on your device, great. If you can find Second uh, Chronicles 26, because we have a little bit, uh, little bit of reading to do. If you're finding it in your Bible, it's about a third of the way through right there. It's in a section of books that are called the historical books that do kind of a foundation of just the story that goes on in the Old Testament. And then the Psalms and Proverbs and the books of the prophets kind of work their way back into that skeleton of the history that is told here in the historical books. Uh, but 
some of the ones that are read probably the least are the books of Chronicles, written by a guy by the name of Ezra. But we'll start here in verse number 1 and give you a little bit. All the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his fa father Amaziah. Let's just soak that in for a second. 16-year-old king. Okay, now I know the day was... Uh, different back then, but still, I want you to take in that idea of 16-year-old king. Are you, you 19, 20? 19? Okay, <laughs> you getting it? Uh, 18 back, back there, 16-year-old king. It's a little, a little mind-boggling here, but let's see how things go for Uzziah as he's put in the throne. Oh, by the way, there are, in the passage we're going to read, there are a bunch of these tough places and names to read. I'm just going to read them like I know what I'm doing. I really don't. I might pronounce them terrible, but I'm just going to read them, figuring that you don't know either. So we're, we're just going to shoot through them, okay? Uh, he built Eloth and, restor and restored it to Judah. And after the king slept with his fathers, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. I'm in verse number 3. And he reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecolia of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Let's continue a little bit and see some of that prosperity. He went out and he made war against the Philistines, and he broke through the walls of, uh, the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. And God helped him again, I'm sorry, against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and uh, against the Minyanites. I think I really killed that one. The Ammonites uh, paid tribute to, to Uzziah and his fame spread through the, through the border of Egypt for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built cities in Jerusalem, I'm sorry, towers in Jerusalem in the corner of the gate and at the valley of the gate of at, at the angle and fortified them. And he built many cisterns, for he had large herds uh, both in, uh, in the Shephala and in the plain. And he had uh, farmers and wine dressers in the hills and the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war, divisions among the numbers uh, that mustered by Jeel, the, the secretary. Uh, I'm sorry. I told you I was going to kill a little bit here. Uh, Anyway, he had a bunch of people fighting for him. Uh, mighty men of valor, he had 2,600, and then you take his whole army, he has over 307,000 listed in there. If I jump down to verse number 15, in Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners and to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. And we'll come back to that phrase a little bit, but I wanted to take a little bit of time, first of all, and just see how Uzziah's reign started. Most of the kings of Israel, actually all the kings of Israel, which was the northern kingdom, were disasters. There were only a handful that were good kings in the southern kingdom of Judah. Most of them just went bad, and Israel very quickly fell into the hands of the Assyrians, and Judah very quickly after that fell into the hands of the Babylonians because they didn't have good kings. But look how this guy gets started, okay? He's 16 years old. Here's what it says he does. It says he learned in the ways of his father, Amaziah, and then he all, it also says this, he was taught by the prophet Zechariah. And what did the prophet Zechariah teach him? He taught him the fear of the Lord. So I just wanted to kind of 
examine some things here that we see in this story about how humility works in his favor, the advantages there of humility. So with that, one of the things that we see that he did is he learned from both good and bad teachers. And I say that because if you read the history, the account of his father Amaziah, not a good king, not a good guy, he was a mess. But yet it says he learned from his father. He sought the Lord and he learned from his father. So this was a young man who learned, if you want to say, that he could take some good things even from a bad teacher. Or maybe he could take the bad things and learn not to do them. I am amused over and over again, my wife laughs at me, about at the commercials. I think it's Progressive that does them. We can't keep you from becoming like your parents. Anybody else silly like me? I watch the same thing over and over again and giggle. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, you have a tattoo. You don't work. You know, that type of thing. It, it just cracks me up. Or the one where they all have their lawnmowers and the, and the guy that, it, it just cracks me up. I can't keep you from becoming like your parents, but as we talk about this a little bit, if we can be like Josiah, we will see that there's good things and bad things we can learn. Um, one of the things, you know, as I think back, my dad I never, and this is not an exaggeration, I never remember him exercising at all or doing anything to take care of himself physically. That's not a pattern I want to follow. However, I do remember this. Every morning, he had his Bible sitting at the dining room table. And every morning, he'd get up, he'd stroll up there, and I'd, and I'd stumble up the stairs and see my dad with his Bible open. That's something I do want to copy. Um, my wife's dad is not an easily easy character to want to be like. I'll just say it like that. However, the dude's 81 years old, goes to work every day of his life. <laughs> Gets up at like 3.30 in the morning and goes into Walmart. He is not a greeter or Walmart would be out of business, but, uh, but he goes in, but he goes in and works at Walmart. So he's got the good uh, and he's got the bad and, and you know, and, and learn to learn from, you know, the saying is every man is my teacher. There's something I can learn from everybody. Well, Uzziah figured out a way to learn from his father, even though his father wasn't really the greatest kind of guy in the world, but he still learned from him. A second thing that we see in here, I'm a little bit excited, is that he had a desire to feel small. He was trained by the prophet Zechariah. What was he trained in? He was trained in the fear of the Lord. Okay? So what the idea is he needed to see that God was big so that he could see himself as small. This fall, in September and October, we went through and talked about some of these different characteristics that belong only to God, and hoping that we will see how awesome, how incredible, how mighty God is. That Uzziah would realize, hey, you know what? I am the king of Israel, but God is the king of the universe. And this is so much better and so much more powerful. And if he can learn that and, and understand his place, I mean, how many people do we see that get so impressed with themselves in every area of life and then you watch them mess up? I mean, whether it's celebrities that, you know, they started off and they had this great humble spirit and they got success and it ruined them. Athletes, businessmen, preachers uh, that, you know, hey, everything was, go was going uh, good and, and walking with the Lord, but then all of a sudden they, they got too big. Well, he wanted to have a sense of how small he was. He wanted to feel small, so in order to do that, he wanted somebody to teach him and instruct him in the fear of the Lord. For the scripture says this about the fear of the Lord, it is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Scripture also says this about the fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence. 
So if we think about this, so when I fear the Lord, I will grow then in knowledge and I will also grow in courage. I will grow in knowledge because I realize I don't know everything. I recognize my own smallness. And once I figure out that I don't know everything, I can learn from other people. I will also have courage. Sometimes we get the idea that uh, if we're talking about humility, we're talking about passivity. But you didn't see that in this story at all. In the fear of the Lord, he went on to great victories. He went on to conquer. He went on to move forward. And his humility brought about that courage because it was a courage and a trust in the Lord. Just a couple, as, as I was working on this, a couple of uh, quotes caught my eye. One is that we have a need for callous knees and callous hands. Hopefully that makes a little sense. I want to be praying. <laughs> they used to say, pray like it all depends on God, work like it all depends on you. I don't know if that, that's completely accurate in every case, but we definitely want to be praying hard, realizing that God is our source. And we also want to be taking some steps and moving forward. Another idea is that we learn to pray and get in the fray. Okay? Sorry, I just like those two little sayings. So I wanted to put them up there. But bottom line, what we see Uzziah do here, here in his kingdom is he attacks injustice, he attacks threats, and he attacks needs. You know, it talks about the, the crops, that he, uh, crops that he has, his love for the land, and the animals that he has to care for people, and the cisterns that he built to care for. In other words, this guy's making it happen. He's, he's good for the people. Uh, and their army has grown stronger, and he protects against the defense. Again, there's no other way to say this. Uzziah had it going on, okay? He was a, you know, put him on the front of the, of the most successful young men and the guys with the brightest future. Put him on that magazine. He's got to be there. This guy started at 16. He has a humble approach, says, I need to be learning. I need to be taught in the fear of the Lord. And look at the things he goes on to do. That, you know, that paragraph that I butchered to death was all about him, you know, the success that he's having. I mean, you know, we're going to write about him. This guy, this guy has got it going on. And, you know, as we think about this idea of humility bringing us to action, uh, I've been praying about, the, you know, just 2020, what the Lord wants to do around here. Uh, Pastor James... Uh, when does the announcements he puts up here, he likes to remind us that we want to be about connecting to God. I'd love to take January and just really focus on that, our connection to our Father. And then he says we also want to be connected to other people. So I was thinking, okay, wait a minute, January, we're going to, here's our mantra, it's going to be be the branch. Okay, we're going to be connected to God, we're going to be the branch. If a branch is not connected to the vine, it is a stick. We don't want to be a stick. That gets thrown in the fire. Uh, we want to be a branch, so we're going to be the branch. In February, we're going to talk about being the body and figuring out how we are to be caring for each other and loving each other and try to do some specific things to work on that. And then as we move forward into the years, we didn't march in April and May, and, uh, and then when summer comes in August, that type of thing, but we'll, uh, we want to be focusing on being the church. And figuring out a way to, to do the type of things that are, you know, good for the community and that we're sharing God's love, we're sharing the gospel, we are impacting uh, the world in which we live in. I'm excited about that. We're going to develop that a little bit more because, you know, we're not so, oh, I'm humble. Okay, look what humility did in his life. It produced this courage to do something. I want to be a church that is doing something. However, here's the big caution and what we, we need to get into. That last phrase I read in verse number 15, it says uh, that he, uh, he was marvelously helped until he was strong. And that didn't mean just that he had actually become strong in the Lord, but it meant that he was, he'd figured out, I'm strong. I got this. Okay. I got this down. 
And as we talk about this and as we study the life of Uzziah, we can see some great things about his humility at the beginning, but we can also see a great deal of tragedy when it comes to the end and his pride. And we'll talk about some of the perils of pride. Actually, before I do this, before I get even to that point for a second, understand that in Scripture, when God lists the things that he hates, do you know what he puts at the top? Pride. There's a bunch of other nasty things on there, but the source of things is pride. So it goes at the very top. And on the other side of that, when Jesus preached his first sermon, uh, we call it the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, and uh, he started with the Beatitudes. Some of you know them as the blessed are, the blessed are, the blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are uh, those who hunger and search after righteousness. Uh, the, the blesses are like that. Most people who study those say that they are like stepping stones. In other words, you want to get on the first one and get solid there, and then you move to the next one. Or if you're an American Ninja Warrior fan, it's, the, you know, you're grabbing a ring. Okay, I got a hold of this one. Now I can swing to the next one. Of course, you don't want to, you know how you're watching that, and you know that guy's been hanging on that ring too long, and he's a goner. Uh, sorry, you're not going to make it. We don't want to get stagnant. We want to keep move, moving forward in our Christian life. But you're grabbing onto the one so that you can grab onto the next so that you can. You know what the first step that Jesus gives? Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the foundation. That's where it starts with humility. So this, needless to say, is a big, big, hairy deal. The scripture says that first comes pride and then destruction. Pride, pride cometh before a fall. Many of you heard that statement. That's in the Old and the New Testament. One of the paraphrases puts it like this. First pride, then the crash. And that is definitely where poor Uzziah is headed here. So I'm going to pick it up back in my story in verse number 16. But when he was strong, he grew pr proud to his destruction. It's kind of the summary statement of the story. When he was strong, when things were, when we figured out, hey, I got it all going, going my way, he grew proud to his destructions. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. They had to be brave to go in after this guy. This guy is the king. He's large and in charge. Uh, he could say, I want him dead. But they are bold enough. They are men of valor that will go in and confront him. We'll talk about why this confrontation was so important. They withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn the incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor for, uh, I'm sorry, it will bring no honor for the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priests, uh, he chucked it. Then, I'm sorry, he became angry with the priest. Leprosy uh, began, and when he did that, leprosy began to break out on his forehead in the presence of the priest. So, why is this a big deal? Okay, uh, you know, as we began just to talk about the idea of the fact that Uzziah had fell. Okay, that Uzziah was this up-and-coming, successful king. We're going to put him on the list of some of the best kings they've ever had. Look at what he's done for the people. Look, and, and man, look how he started with humility. He's teaching, but, but he fall. As we look at that, one of the things that is very important that we understand is that we all have that capacity. We all have in us the ability to fall like that. Um, 
at a conference that Francis and I went to last week, uh, one of the speakers was Dr. Henry Cloud, who is a Christian psychologist. He's written some books maybe some of you have seen, but a uh, real good speaker. But one of the things he said is that we all de- need to remember is our problem is that we were born after Genesis 3. Now, if, you, if that's speaking a weird language to you, Genesis 3 is when man fell, when sin entered the world. And the problem is that we're all part of this big dysfunctional family that we'll call the Adams family. Not your family, Robert. Not your family, Adam. Uh, but, uh, and not, the, da, 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 not that, but uh, the original Adam with us in. We're all part of that. So we all have this makeup in us. We all have this sin nature. We all have this flesh, and we all have this capacity to fall. What happened to Uzziah? Well, he forgot his place. And he forgot how he got there. Why was it such a big deal that he go into burn incense? Why, why is that such a big deal? Well, if we understand, in the Old Testament, there are three types of law. There is what we call the moral law, like thou shalt not kill. Okay? And we all say, okay, that's good. We understand that one. There is laws that are called the civil laws. And some of them seem kind of weird. You have to have a uh, railing around your roof. I don't know how many of you obey that one and you have a railing around your roof. But back in those days, they did things up on the roofs. They had flat roofs and it was unsafe uh, not to have a railing. So it was just kind of laws for getting along with people that we still follow the principles of today. For example, last couple weeks, Tony Gilbert and his crew put some nice lights out in the parking lot for us because we have upward season coming. We're going to have kids out there like crazy. We want it to be light. We don't want it to be a dangerous situation. Okay, so that's the moral law and that's the civil law. But this type of law that he's talking about here is the ceremonial law. And the ceremonial laws, we don't practice today, but they were given so because we have Jesus, but they were given to give us a picture of Jesus. So everything in them had to be done just perfectly and to the letter, for our God is perfect. And they picture it like that. So everything had to be just right. And one of the things was, the only ones that are going to come in here and alter incense is going to be the priests. But Uzziah was like, yeah, right. Do you know what I've done for this country? <laughs> I'm the man. I think if I want to go in and burn a little incense, I'm going in and burn a little incense. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, I'm Uzziah. And that's the place he had gotten to. So he goes in there, and again, these priests are bold enough to come to him, confront him. And we'll talk about that confrontation in a minute. But somewhere, Uzziah forgot his place. He forgot his dependence upon God. He forgot how he had achieved his success. I want to take a couple minutes and have what I think is kind of a sad talk. It's, it's one, this part of the sermon I kind of debated. I had it in the sermon, then I took it out of the sermon, and I don't put it back in. But in last, we'll say five years, and I, I'm not up on a lot of the news and everything like that, but just in, you know, preacher world and in church world and stuff like that, in the last five years, I've heard stories of what would be considered big-time Christian leaders' demise many times. Um, I heard the story of one man who had, fell because he was uh, addicted to alcohol. I heard the story of actually three different men who were overcome with depression and committed suicide. Three different Christian leaders, prominent Christian leaders. I know the story of a couple of men who just became a little bit too impressed with themselves, became very dictator and, and kind of treated the church money as their own little piggy bank and, and just kind of took over and, and they ended up being dismissed from their positions known of a couple of leaders who came out and said, uh, we no longer believe. They renounced their faith. I know of several that 
had uh, moral failures where they got involved with uh, uh, somebody outside of their marriage and they cheated on their wife or something like that and, and they stepped aside uh, or had to step aside or they were forced out. In fact, even in the last couple of weeks, there's a story not of a, somebody who was like a great leader, but of somebody who was a prominent Christian. That, that story has been in the news the last couple of weeks and they keep coming. But then I think to the Bible. <laughs> I know of a guy by the name of Elijah who had serious trouble with depression. I know of a guy named Moses who lost his temper uh, and, uh, and lashed out. I know of an adulterer named David. I know of a liar named Abraham. I know of a denier by the name of Peter who said, no, I don't even know him. Get the blankety blank out of here. Okay? So what I am saying, is, and it's not, I didn't want to like air our dirty laundry. Hey, we got, we got some issues around, you know, in, in Christianity. But I do think it is very important that we understand how much that potential is there to fall when we, like Uzziah, forget that our help and our source comes from God. And I, like I said, I, I don't mean to be uh, cynical, but I do want to caution you that you never hold men too highly. The conference I mentioned, Francis and I got to go to, they had 12 keynote speakers. Every one of them has done, uh, built a successful, thriving ministry. The sp their ability to speak is unbelievable. I mean, they never even look at a note. Everything is well organized. They never get the wrong slide up there like I do. I, I was like, man, these guys are good. Or guys and, and ladies were good. And, and I, I listened to them, and I, I thought, wow, this is amazing. But in my mind, and this is partly just over the years, I realized that there is a chance that next year when they have this conference, one of them won't be there because... Something like this happened where some, somehow they fell apart. And that, that is sad to say I realize, and again, I'm not trying to be super negative with that, but I do just want to caution us. And you say, well, don't you think these guys were total phonies? Let, let me say this for a second. Here's what happens sometimes with a leader. When we think we're all that, okay, so I sin, okay, well, first of all, first of all, I can handle this. I'm strong enough to deal with my sin. I've said this before, but we ain't got nothing in us that's strong enough to deal with sin. Jesus came and died on the cross to deal with our sin. We, we got nothing. But men get this idea, hey, I can handle this. I'm tough enough to deal with this. I can handle the sin. And then they get the idea, you know, I am pretty important if I fall and everybody finds out about it. So they go into hiding with their sin. Very bad thing to do, and it multiplies. So you might hear somebody, you think, man, I was listening to that guy preach on the radio for years. And then I found out, you know, he had all this stuff going on in his life, and you get devastated. First of all, you could still learn from the truth that he taught. But I want to caution you that this is something that happens. That people who get where they're depending upon themselves uh, are setting themselves up for the fall. So I want us, first of all, to never hold men too highly, but also I, I don't want us to trust ourselves. You know, when I get to the place where I'm looking around and thinking, hey, you got trouble with your marriage? Well, you should have, you know, maybe you should follow my example because I got marriage down, buddy. I got, I got, I, I got down. I, I, I'm a success in that way. I don't know why some of you are laughing. Uh, my wife's not even in here. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I get looking at somebody's having trouble with the kids and I think, oh, you should have done it like I did. I knew how to parent, man. I, you know, I had it going on. You got a financial mess? Hey, here's what we did. You know, I've, I've got the answers. I've got it figured out. Sermon? Man, did I nail that sermon. <laughs> it was a good one. It was, uh, like that. But, you know, when I start believing that, uh, that it is about me and I start de depending upon myself and I forget how much I owe to God, I'm asking for trouble. There is a uh, fellow by the name of Robert Kraft. Some of you have heard of him. He is, uh, the, I guess, the primary owner of the Patriots. So, excuse my language. But uh, he... Uh, 
he uh, apparently he was in Russia on a visit, and he was visiting with Boris Yeltsin. Uh, what year am I in? Vladimir Putin. Sorry, had a 30-year flashback, 40, 50, uh, something like that. He was with Putin. Sorry, I knew it was a Russian. Uh, but anyway, in the conversation, you know, uh, Kraft has his... Uh, his World, uh, World Series, I'm really getting confused right now, Super Bowl ring on, and uh, Putin uh, expresses some interest in it, so Kraft takes it off and hands it to him so he can see it, and Putin takes it and puts it in his pocket <laughs> and kind of disappears uh, with it, and Kraft was like, you know, the state officials, hey, uh, the guy left with my Super Bowl ring, <laughs> and they said, they investigated a little bit, and they came back to Kraft, and they said, you know, for international peace, maybe it would be best if you just made that a gift. <laughs> so, so apparently Kraft doesn't have a Super Bowl ring anymore, but I was thinking about Vladimir Putin has his Super Bowl ring. How incredible that must be for him to stand up and say, look, I have a Super Bowl ring. He did absolutely nothing to get the Super Bowl ring. What value does that have to him? What does that mean that he has a Super Bowl ring on his hand? Absolutely nothing. And that's how we need to understand about our own successes. If I build a great business, I did it with the breath that God has given me and the body that God has given me. Wherever I have succeeded, if I have, by the grace of God, if my children grow to follow and live for the Lord, it is because of God's grace, not because of me, because i got enough problems. So we see in him, first of all, he forgot where he came from. He forgot how he got there. Secondly, Uzziah is obviously had the wrong reaction to confrontation. When the priest came and confronted him, what did he do? He got angry, which we often have a tendency to do. He took it personally. Do you take things personally? Are you getting a little mad right now? <laughs> You're probably taking it personally. Uh, but when it becomes all about, all about us, when there's confrontation, we, we have a tendency to take things personally, think they're talking about us. There's a book written about Jesus called Unoffendable. It goes in and talks about the idea that he knew who he was and that he had nothing to prove, so therefore he was unoffendable. If we can get a hold of that, we know who we are, uh, and that means that I have this sin nature, I have these problems in this myself, but I have nothing to prove because Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he's my Savior, and he's given me his righteousness. When I stand in that, then maybe, maybe I can do a little bit better job of handling confrontation when it comes my way. My tendency, though, however, with confrontation is often to fire back. I need to stop telling you stories about bad bus driving I do. <laughs> Someday I'm going to pull out in front of your house and you're going to say, kids, you're walking today. Uh, but uh, this past week I'm out uh, early morning out on Elite Road. And on the one route you have to back into a driveway. And uh, I did in the high school route. It was dark. I did. There's some rocks, small rocks that line the driveway. I backed in, no problem. Left. For some reason, the elementary route, I got careless. I got going. I thought, oh, I got it. And I sped up a little bit. Well, apparently, honestly, I came up where I just touched this rock, that one of the rocks along the driveway. I didn't even realize I had. So this little kid gets on the bus. And, you hit that rock. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say it, but I thought, you stupid little kid. Do you want to try to drive this bus in the dark? I don't know. I mean, that's the, that's the exact thoughts that went through my head. Now, as I've matured, I have learned, and this, this is, I guess, a little progress. I have learned a lot of times that when my first instinct is to fire back, I don't do it out loud. Out loud. But in my mind, I still do this. Um, Frances was gone last weekend, came home Tuesday night. She had to go to work on Wednesday and uh, she was home on Wednesday. I came in somewhere around 5 o'clock, and she said, uh, 
Uh, I'm sorry, I came in, and I was standing there by the counter to kind of catch up. You know, we haven't seen each other for a few days. Ain't love grand. And I'm standing there trying to have a conversation. And she had, she'd had a lot of travel, and she was a little weary. And she's not in here today, so don't tell her I'm saying all this. But, uh, but she was maybe just a tad bit cranky. Um, and uh, she's just a tad, just a little. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm in trouble. But, uh, but anyway, she, um, she, uh, I'm talking away, and all of a sudden, she, she's just uh just so you know, I, I did uh, clean the floors today. And then she looks down at the fact that my shoes were still on. And I'd walked in on a snowy day. First thought. Honestly, first thought I had. Now, I did not say it. But she had also left a pile of clutter on the counter that wasn't there. Because I had cleaned the pile of clutter before she came home. And my first thought was to say, so you're more upset about a couple drops of water on the floor than you are about that giant pile of clutter over there? That's what I wanted to say. Uh, I wanted to fire back. But, you know, and, and those are silly things I realize. But at the same time, we can see that in every relationship of life, when we are confronted, if we can learn to own it, confess it, Admit to it. That's, listen, listen, that's how our relationship starts with our Heavenly Father. The Bible says if we confess our sins and believe in our heart. If we, I'm sorry, we confess with our mouth. Confess is agreeing with God about my sin. It's saying, yes, God, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. That's how my very relationship starts. That's the healer. So often in relationships, when I can handle the correction and humbly, uh, again, own my mess, and agree with God, or maybe it is simply a matter of agreeing with the person that has pointed this out and saying, yes, you're right. Not, yes, you're right, but if you hadn't done this, that kind of kills the whole thing. But learning the importance of confessing. And I want to end with this quote. It is our job, this is based, the Bible says, this is based very clearly on a verse of Scripture from the book of James. I think it's in your bulletin there, but... Uh, it is our job to humble ourselves and God's job to lift us up. Okay, humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. When we arrogantly do His job, He will mercifully do ours. Now, I don't know if that resonates or not. I, I would say this. If that's not something that you connect with, if that's not something that, that, that hits you, I'm going to assume, and I think probably correctly, that you have never been there where you have really been humbled. Because if that whole idea of he will mercifully do ours, he will in his mercy humble us, might sound a little foreign. It doesn't to me because I've been there. I've had that day when God brought me to a place of humility. And it was the worst day of my life. And it was the best day of my life. That makes sense to you if you've been there. You understand how God in his mercy will bring it out into light. And will, sh will show us and you know, bring us to a place where we humbly bow before Him. Maybe even in the area of trusting Him, maybe you've been attending this church for a while. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't even know that I've, I'm a Christian. I don't even know if I trust the Lord. But I don't want people to find that out. It'll be hard to. It'll be humbling to. It'll be a very bad day in your life. And it'll be the best day in your life. Maybe there is a secret going on right now, secret sin. I mean, you're going to beat it because you're strong. And uh, you'd really rather not drag family through it or church through it or anything like that or whatever it would take and bring it out into the open because you're going to beat it. And you don't want to go through that mess. You're right, it'll be a mess. It'll be the worst day of your life. It'll be the best day of your life. 
We're going to sing again in closing. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and, and get ready just that we can worship the Lord together. But, you know, we sing, and it really is true. Whether I feel it, whether I see it, in each case, God, God's, as we share God's word, as we look at the end, God is, is here. And if in your heart right now you sense really that God is saying, hey, you know, this is something you need to deal with, I want to encourage you. Um, you can seek me out. Dennis is raising his hand over there as an elder here, Pastor James. Uh, Jim is right, right, right here. As, um, Craig, Craig was it? Oh, <laughs> he has the guitar in his hand. Those are some of our elders. But if there's somebody that you need to talk to and just say, hey, <laughs> here, here, here's where I am. I, I need some help. Uh, we would love to do that. I, I don't know how I could express that more clearly. We're just going to sing together. We're going to praise him. But if there's somebody, there's one other thing I want to mention real quickly just so I don't forget at the end. The folks from Right to Life are here. If, if you are in Cass County or Berrien County, I believe they have a petition, if you're interested in looking at that, about uh, preser uh, some, some laws on um, abortion. And if you're interested in that, they're out in the lobby. Those are the two ladies that are out there. I didn't want to forget. I told them I'd mention that, and I'm afraid I would at the end. Let's pray. Let's worship him together. Father, um, I thank you for your mercy that brings us humility. And, Lord, it's a pill that we don't want to take. But, uh, but I thank you knowing that uh, what you do is good. And what you do is, is good for eternity. What you do brings you glory. What you do is best for us. Lord, help us to learn from Uzziah. Help us to see the young man and his wisdom and see the fool who believed that uh, he didn't need you anymore. Uh, and apply this to our lives this week, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.